Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another Instagram Live Q&A. My name is Matt Van Winkle with the Iowa State University Alumni Association. Our guest today is Marquise Hamilton, and many Cyclone fans will probably remember that name as Marquise was a standout wide receiver for the Iowa State football team from 2006 to 2009. He graduated with a degree in communication studies and went on to play football for the Minnesota Vikings, the Iowa Barnstormers, and Chicago Rush. Today, Marquise is a teacher, a coach, and a mentor in Chicago, where he recently founded Up Mentoring. The nonprofit organization has a mission of providing exposure, support, and post-secondary opportunities to dedicated high school students and athletes from underserved communities. Marquise is also a 2020 Iowa Statement Maker and an honor that recognizes the early personal and professional accomplishments and contributions to society of Iowa State University's young alumni. Hey, Marquise. Hey, how's it going, Matt? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. How are you? Of course. I'm doing all right. I'm good. making it. Good, good. So you are in Chicago right now, right? Correct. Yes. Right. Very cool. Um, so I just kind of gave you a little introduction before you joined on, but um, why don't you give everyone just a quick, uh, a quick summary of um, where you're from and, you know, how you got to Iowa State. All right. So um, Marquise Hamilton, I'm originally from Oklahoma City. I went to school at Ebbin North. Um, I wanted to play in the Big 12. And so OU, Oklahoma State didn't offer me. And so I didn't get a chance to, you know, compete in that conference. And so Iowa State yeah. sent me an offer. And so I knew it was, you know, my chance to prove to the other schools that didn't offer me what I could do. And so that's so you, how I ended up at Iowa State. Very cool. You played from 2006 to 2009. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Very cool. So talk about what your experience was like as a football player and maybe a student athlete at Iowa State as well. Uh, I mean, it is very demanding. It's like having two full-time jobs, um, but mm -hmm. you are always surrounded by brothers, you know, on the team that you're going through so much with them. And then the Ames community really embraces you. And so um, you get to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And so it's just a great opportunity. It's an amazing experience. Um, and so despite all the hard work that you put in, it's one that, you know, sticks with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, we already got a question coming in. So that's cool. Uh, Sarah wants to know, what do you miss about being a student at Iowa State? Uh, just the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> you can pick your own schedule. You know, you go to class and you do what you want to do the rest of the day. And so just that freedom and flexibility to just hang out and be a student and, you know, just enjoy your life. Right. So you graduated with a degree in communication studies, um, but you, you continued your football career after, mm -hmm. after you graduated. Talk about where your, your journey kind of took you after graduation. Yeah. So I signed a free agent contract with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, so I went to a camp, I got invited to a camp rather. Um, and there were a hundred people there and I was one of four who actually got offered a contract um, after competing the entire weekend. So I was with them um, during the fall camp got released. And then I sat out the rest of that season um, because no one else, you know, picked up my contract. Yeah. And so I was actually substitute teaching back in Oklahoma. I knew I wanted to continue to pursue football. Um, and so when I got an opportunity to, to join the arena football league with the Iowa Barnstormers, just because no NFL options opened up, um, I knew I had to uh, take advantage of that. Very cool. So you kind of, you actually did get to kind of come back to Iowa and play for I the did. Barnstormers. I did. Yeah, it was fun. A lot of old teammates were um, with the Barnstormers as well. Todd Blythe, Brent Curvey, Chris Singleton. And so I got to hang out with some of those guys again. That's kind of cool. So it kind of, you got to continue playing with some of those guys beyond. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of an ex extension of when you got to be a, a player at Iowa State. That's kind of cool. No, for sure. Yeah. So, um, so then your last stop, I think, was at in Chicago with the, the Rush. Is that right? Correct. 
so is that kind of where what brought you to Chicago and where you're at now? Yeah, so that is what actually brought me to Chicago. Um, two of my roommates, actually, my college roommates over here, Derek Smith-Gall and Joe Zetek, they both played football at Iowa State. Um, and so I knew I wanted to be here. Um, and so I was planning with the rush. After that season ended, I just decided to stay, and I've been here ever since. I see one of your former teammates is on. <laughs> <laughs> Brett Meyer, Brett, of course. Brett Meyer's on. All right. Hey, Brett, how are you? What's um, up, Brett? So, so you are currently a learning specialist at mm -hmm. your job in Chicago. So you provide one-to-one -one instruction for students with disabilities. What kind of led you down that career path? Uh, I mean, I just knew that there was a need for it. And so I wanted to work with kids in some capacity. And I just happened to get, you know, signed on as a, a learning specialist. And then from there, just like seeing how many challenges kids had as far as learning, like I wanted to be able to help them out and, you know, yeah make it to where learning was accessible to them and they could feel successful. And so um, just because there was such a huge need for it, I kind of stuck to it. And I really enjoy it, especially when they get something or they understand something that they didn't previously. So it's very rewarding. Um, and so, yeah, that's why I enjoy doing it. And that's why I still do it to this day. Have you always kind of enjoyed working with youth and young kids? I do. There's just a different energy yeah. with young people. I just feel like they're very impressionable. Um, they got a lot to learn. And so I feel like I have a lot of things that I can teach them. And so I just feel valued in my interactions with them. And so I think that's part of where that enjoyment comes from. So last year you founded a nonprofit organization, right? Called mm -hmm. Up, Men Up Mentoring, which stands for Unimaginable Possibilities. Talk about why you decided to start that um, and kind of where it's at now. Uh, so, yeah, I um, have benefited from having mentors and coaches who have provided for me and looked out for me and supported me um, in hopes that I realize my full potential. Um, and so that's part of the reason why I wanted to start that organization, just so I can do that same thing for young people. I understand how impactful it is. I understand, you know, just opening up opportunities, what that's going to do for their life in the future. And like, I just want to be able to provide them some sort of options, better options. Um, and just if they want to pursue something, let them know that it's out there. Just got to go out there and get it. Very cool. So um, the nonprofit really is, is guided at students who kind of want to pursue a maybe athletics beyond mm -hmm. high school. Is that right? So that's just kind of the way it started just because of my background. So a lot yeah. of the kids that I started off with um, wanted to play college football or play in the NFL. And so like I knew that was an easy way for me mm -hmm. um, for me to help them out. But like as it's kind of evolved, I've learned that there are kids who have a lot of different interests. And so just because like I'm interested in something doesn't mean that they are. And so I just want to provide kids with the option to pursue their passions. And so yeah. if you like wrestling, we do things related to that. If you like science, we figure out a way to support you in that capacity. Um, but it's just all about giving kids an opportunity to explore their passions and just see where that takes them. Right. And, and you're in Chicago, which is kind of a uh, you got a very diverse uh, background of, of kids that are living mm -hmm. in those areas. So. Um, and you, the um, up really goes into these underserved areas, right? Mm -hmm. Why did you do, Why did you think that was such an important uh, way to reach kids in those in those areas? I just feel like those are the kids who need the most support. Um, you know, mm -hmm. depending on what their circumstances are, they may not feel the most optimistic about their future and what they're doing with their lives. And so, I just want to show them that hey, if you see something that you want that you know truly excites you and, and invokes your curiosity like go ahead and pursue that and then in doing that it just gives them something to look forward to and something for them to aspire to and so I just try to basically motivate them to to see that life is beautiful there's a lot out there for you and it's more than what you're going through currently is it is it really kind of cool too to know that you were once in their shoes right you can kind of learn from your experience to to engage with these kids Absolutely. And so I think that's part of, you know, why I wanted to do it is just because like I do relate to these kids in a lot of different ways. And so like I've learned a lot over my life. And so those lessons that I learned, I want to be able to instill in them as well in hopes that, you know, something great and positive comes out of it.
And so, um, yeah, it's just, I realize how important it is to help out young people. And I realize like I have a lot that I can give them. And so I just try to do my best to provide them with the lessons that I've learned. I think when a lot of people think about starting a nonprofit, that's probably a, a pretty big overtaking. What was it like to, to get that off the ground and running? Uh, so I was actually doing it unofficially for a few years before I hadn't even think, thought about sure. like making it a nonprofit. And then like once I went through that process, like there's a lot of hoops, especially in Illinois. Um, and so I actually ended up finding a law firm that would do it pro bono. And so I think that was when it kind of catapulted to the stage that we are now as, as far as like we can receive um, tax exempt donations, things like that. Um, but it was a process. It was a beast just figuring out what's the best way to pursue this. Um, in the end, I ended up finding someone who would do it for me, which helped out a lot. But I just remember, you know, early in that process, just thinking about it and being overwhelmed by it, um, which kind of prolonged the, the, you know, and prolonged why we didn't get our 501c3 until so recently. Yeah. So how, um, what are ways that you go into, maybe do you go into schools and, re and talk to kids or how do, how do people approach you about being part of this? Uh, so right now it's easy for me because I work at a school and like I have access to the kids every day and like I know them, I know their parents, I know their interests. And so um, just I do it based on the existing relationships that I have already within the school. Now going forward, it may be a little bit different. I feel like I will have to actually go into schools. Um, but the good thing is I've been teaching for seven years now. I've already developed some relationships. And so it's just a matter of reaching out to those contacts and, and making it to where I can get more students involved. I'm sure you've already had some some success with a lot of students. Can you maybe share a story of a somebody that you've you've seen uh, kind of flourish from this program? Uh, so I think the first kid, Ronnie Lyons, um, he's currently at Augustana. He's running track. Um, he was kind of the the student that inspired me to make this more legitimate. And so the fact that he's still in college and persistent is a, a huge success story. I got three other kids that are getting ready to go to college, and so um, it's all about just getting them to a place to where they can pursue things and do things on their own and, and become more independent. And so I think getting them to college is the first step because that's their first time usually away from home. And so um, just when we get those kids into college, like that's when I really feel just like I'm doing something good. You got you to gotta push them this way, man. You got to push them west. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's been my goal for a while. It's going to happen. <laughs> is this something too that you kind of wish that you had had when you were a kid their age that maybe somebody, a mentor or somebody that told you these things? Well, I did, just maybe not the extent or the, you know, knowledge that I have just because I was able yeah. to go through the professional ranks. And so, like, I learned a lot that I can give to the kids who want that same for themselves. Um, I think it would have been beneficial had I had that information, but I didn't. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And so I just want to make sure the information that I do have, I'm not sitting on it. I'm sharing it with others so that they can pursue what they want. Cool. Why is it important, do you think, for kids, especially in these underserved communities, to have a role model, somebody to look up to and kind of guide them in this in this young age? I just feel like there are a lot of things that, you know, that attract kids at that age. And, you know, they tend to be a little bit misguided considering what, I can't speak. Um, they tend to be a little bit misguided depending on what their situation is. And so like, I just think they need to see someone who looks like them who's being successful, but also they need to see like the actions that I do. I feel like a lot of times we give kids advice and tell them you should do this, you should do that. But it's like all about not only saying it, but showing them the way as well. Sure. Um, if, if somebody is, you know, watching this or um, kind of inspired by what you've done with UP mentoring, what are maybe some ways, uh, maybe on a smaller scale, that people can get involved with, with youth and their communities to, to be that role model? What are ways that people can do that? Um, there are honestly a lot of organizations um, around that are 
basically trying to provide options and support to young people, I would just say, do your research, find an organization that you like, um, find an organization whose mission aligns to what you value. Um, and if you can't donate your time, donate your money, just like a lot of these places need support, whether you can get in there physically or you can only give you know, money or you can give supplies to see what they need and then go about it that way. Cool. Um, I, th I think I was reading on your profile that you are writing a children's book. Is that still in the process or? That is. And so it's kind of along the same lines as like I learned a lot about myself. And so I suffer from anxiety. And so I know a lot of people also suffer from that as well. And so I've learned some things that have helped me cope. And so if, you know, these are things that I can give to other people and it helps them, great. And so, um, yeah, I just, I just figured I could say something that could help make other people's situation a little bit easier and more bearable. Very cool. Well, obviously, um, we're kind of in an interesting time right now with a, pan a pandemic and uh, the social injustice issues that are going on right now. Um, I know and you're kind of right in the middle of it in Chicago. And I saw mm -hmm. that on your on your up mentoring uh, that you made a post about specifically about that. Um, do, what are your kind of thoughts about what's going on right now? And, um, you know, there's a lot of obviously it's a big uh, youth are getting involved with these mm -hmm. movements and marches. And um, what do you maybe have to say about what's going on right now? Uh, I mean, I just commend all the young people who are out continually protesting um, the right way, just because like these are issues that are going to continue to plague us until we decide to do something about it. And so just the, the fact that there are so many protests going on makes me feel like there are more conversations being had. And I feel like that's the way that, you know, things are going to change by the more dialogue we have. And so I would encourage them just to continue to do that, um, continue to use your voice because that's your greatest resource. And so um, it's a lot going on, but I feel like we'll end up better in the end just because, you know, like I said, we're having more conversations. There's more dialogue. You're starting to see companies, you know, change their policy as well. And so I think this is a huge step in the right direction. We just got to continue pushing. I've, I don't know if you've kind of been following on Twitter or how much you're on Twitter today, but a kind of a big topic that's going around right now is about Jack Trice and his legacy at Iowa State. Mm -hmm. um, as a football player, um, when you were here, was, that, um, was Jack Trice's um, memory and his legacy ever uh, talked about with, to you with football players? And, you know, he's the only African-American uh, that's the only football stadium that an African-American's named after. And was that ever discussed with you guys on the team or – I mean, it, it was. Um, I know there's that Jack Trice Stadium right outside of our old locker room. Um, and so we would see that, obviously. And then, you know, he would be referred to by all the coaches. Um, but I think also, like, I was at a, an age or in a place where, you know, I wasn't necessarily thinking that deeply about the, the racial issues that are going on. And so, like, obviously, it means a lot more now just to understand what he's going through and the fact that he is the only African-American that's the stadium's named after. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely cool. The history, I wish I would have learned a little bit more while I was there, um, but that doesn't mean I won't have that chance going forward. They've actually moved the statue from the stadium. Um, they're doing a bunch of construction around there right now. Mm -hmm. So they decided to just move the statue back to campus where actually it used to be. Oh. So people didn't know that. Uh, I didn't either. It's actually, so it's between like Beardshire and the library now. So if you're ever okay. back on campus, that's kind of where they've moved it to. So, okay. yeah. Um, Let's, can we maybe talk a little bit about your time at Iowa State and, you know, maybe um, as a student and as a football player? Maybe let's start with football, I guess. Where was uh, maybe some of your favorite memories as a football player? The favorite memories um, would obviously have to be my first touchdown catch at Missouri. Um, that was on the road, so not everyone got to see that um, as far as, like, the Ames um, fan base. Um, but I do, like, also remember the Nebraska game when we went to Lincoln and won for the first time in 33 years. Um, that was really exciting. And then going to a bowl game my senior year and beating Minnesota. Yeah. 
I'm trying to think. So 2006 to 2009. So did you have three head coaches? I did. Had, yeah. So I had um, Dan McCartney, Gene Chizik, and then Paul Rhodes. That's, that's kind of a wild. You're probably one of the few guys that had three head coaches. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't think anything of it at the time, but looking back, it's just like, well, I literally had to learn three new systems and get it used to three totally different people. That's crazy. Um, man. That, yeah. That was quite a, quite a period of change in the football program, wasn't it? Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I will say that Iowa State fan base like made it a lot more tolerable because we sucked. I'll be honest and say that there were some times when we weren't very good at all. But like the Iowa State fans were always out cheering us on and supporting us. And so that really stood out to me, just how loyal the fan base is, regardless of what's going on. And so that's why I'm so excited and, and glad that they're getting, you know, a chance to root on a really good football team. I feel like Matt Campbell's done a great job. He's put together a great staff and that program is going to you know places it's never been before have you been back to to Ames at all to watch a game or to see what Jack Trice looks like now yeah I went last year against TCU it looks kind of like the Chiefs stadium they bowled it in yeah. um, they got the big jumbotrons it, it definitely is a different atmosphere um, than when I was playing yeah that's for sure uh, a couple new scoreboards too makes a difference <laughs> yeah not uh, for sure yeah um, talk about let's let's talk about your the student side of it uh Talk maybe about how your your time at Iowa State as a student really prepared you for where you're at today. Uh, just you had a lot of professors that what best for you, and they would be willing to do whatever to make sure that you got what you needed. Um, and so I feel like that's kind of the the scope that I take when I go and teach the kids that I work with now. Is just like I understand how important it is to make yourself valuable for kids, and also teach them at their pace, opposed to you know you trying to do it all and, and hope that they catch up. And so like, I, I learned a lot from my professors at Iowa State um, and just how like the interactions with children should be. And then like also the most important thing is learning regardless how slow or fast that takes place. Very cool. Um, so I, I'm guessing your, your uh, up mentoring can receive donations. Maybe just tell mm -hmm. people where people can help uh, support you and what you're up to. Yeah, so we have a website, so it's upmentoring.org. You'll see everything that I've been doing with the kids. So I've taken them to camps, college visits. Um, I've taken them to um, different places throughout the city, so you get to see all of that. And then also there's a page for you to donate. Um, and so we're on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, so you can find us on those as well. Very cool. Well, Marquise, thanks again for taking some time for us today. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Perfect. And we just want to remind people that these interviews are made possible by members of the Alumni Association. So we encourage everyone watching to consider supporting Iowa State by becoming an Alumni Association member. And it's memberships open to everyone. It's not just graduates of Iowa State. So if you are interested in becoming a member, visit our website, isualum.org. Thanks again, Marquise. Have a good day. Thank you. You too.